day. I tell my friends. My family. The world. That the old Adam, the old Jimmy, the old Crystal is dead. I have been buried with Christ. My sin is gone. Nailed to the cross. And paid for. By the blood of my Savior. Of my Jesus. Today, I declare that by God's relentless, unfailing grace, I am forgiven. I am free. I am new. Well, before we get going, I'm going to have the ushers come up. We're going to take the offering right now, if you don't mind, just because once we get going, it'll be impossible to take it later. So, ushers, come on up, and we're going to take the uh, offering this morning. Let's pray before we do that. God, thanks so much for a place like this where we can come and call our home, worship you, and then induct so many people into your family today. We're so jacked. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Let's give. I just want to say a couple things before we get going. I'm going to talk for about 10 minutes about what baptism is, and I'm going to challenge some of you uh, today who've been uh, maybe a believer in Jesus for a while or a religious person for a while to, to come up and join those who have signed up today. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to take a couple of minutes to um, not just celebrate the people who are getting baptized, and I want to tell you, every one of you, I do, I celebrate your decision uh, to commit to Jesus in this way. But I want to celebrate also Jesus' method of evangelism, which is the method I believe, I truly believe with all of my heart that we have adopted in this church. And that is in a public setting, what we do is we create a safe place to, for an outsider to discover the scandalous, awesome grace of God. Every single one of the 20 people who were in that class last week a hundred percent of them were brought by someone in this church. Someone brought them. Yeah, give them a hand. And so our model of ministry in this church, I just want to be super clear. We want to say this as many times as we can say it, is this. We want to create an environment where the truth of the gospel is accessible and intelligible to the outsider so that when you, our family, the church family, brings those outsiders into this environment, they can hear something that is relevant and makes sense to them. Do you agree with that? Now, I'm the pastor of discipleship training, so I have the uh, privilege of, one, being on staff with a bunch of superhumanly gifted evangelists like Kurt and Matt <laughs> and, uh, and Brian. I love being surrounded by these guys because they, they drive me crazy with evangelism, and it's awesome. I'm not an evangelist, but I have the heart of an evangelist. And here's what I do in discipleship training. For those of you who have not showed up for any of the courses that we run, but you consider yourself a seasoned Christian, here's what we do. Uh, we do stuff like this, the Matthew journey. This is a 13-week training through Matthew's gospel. When I get you to the end of this training, you will be thoroughly equipped, just the way Jesus did in the gospel of Matthew, to make disciples of the next generation. Because your and my job as veteran Christians is to not sit here and have our heads filled with good stuff. 
That is not our job. Our job as maturing veteran Christians is to go out into our communities and find, tell, and bring them here so they can find Jesus and so that we can celebrate with them like we're doing today. So we can celebrate the fact that the outsider is now an insider and they're a worshiper and follower of Jesus. So I want to tell you one thing. The people who are most immature in my mind are the people who brought those 20 people in that corner over there. They're the veterans in the body of Christ. They're the veteran Christians because they're doing what Jesus commanded us to do. Okay, I've said my, I've said my piece. Thank you for your time. Please don't leave. Okay. I want to give you a definition of baptism. Talk about 10 or 15 minutes about baptism. Here it is. Baptism is this. It is immersion in water as an act of repentance symbolizing your participation with Jesus' death to the old and resurrection to the new. And it is the first act of obedience as you seek to follow all that Jesus has commanded and instructed or taught. Okay? So that is the definition of baptism. Let me just take a few minutes to unpack that, okay? Uh, Number one, it is an act of immersion. What do we mean by that? It's an act of immersion. The word baptized comes from the Greek word baptizo. And that word in the culture that it came from in Jesus' world meant to totally submerge. In fact, it was a general term prior to uh, Jesus' day for for going underneath anything completely. But by Jesus' day, it literally meant to be submerged in water from head to toe. And so uh, when we practice baptism, we might be tempted to think that, that we invented it. That is, Christians, back in the first century. But that's not true. Because we actually adopted it from the Jewish culture. And I want to sort of illustrate this. I want to, you to uh, sort of picture. Sorry, I'm going barefoot feet. Uh, please don't look directly at my feet. Okay, my wife would be horrified. I want to illustrate this in a couple of ways. I want you to imagine what was called a, a mikvah tank. A mikvah on this side. And then on this side where the actual tank is, this is the mikvah oat. Okay, so I want to I illustrate to you the different kinds of ritual washings that existed in the first century. In the first century, if you were a practicing Jew, that is, you were a kosher uh, Jew, you practiced the dietary laws of Judaism, uh, you circumcised your kid, okay, on the eighth day you circumcised him, you went to synagogue on the Sabbath, you uh, went to all of the feasts, starting with Hanukkah, Okay, Uh, you went to all of the feasts of Israel. You were a faithful practicing Jew. You would practice just about every day these ritual cleansings, these ritual baths that were called baptisms. And there were lots of reasons to practice them. Let me just give you a few. Uh, After normal uh, intercourse with your spouse. So you guys get together, you hook up. I mean, the night before, the next morning, you're going down in the tank. And you go all the way under. Completely, you come up, you're ritually cleansed, right? So, you're walking along on your day, and you get up, and you take your little brass mirror out, and you realize you got a pimple right there. You got a blemish. You go back down in the tank. For that blemish, you go down. You come up. You're ritually cleansed. So, uh, as you're uh, carrying on that, that, that week, your friend is telling you out in the field that they buried his mom that week because the mortality rate was really high and so uh, you were pretty much attending a funeral every, every month. <laughs> and uh, he puts his hand on his shoulders and said, brother, can you pray with us? Well, guess what? He just made you ritually unclean because he touched you. And so guess what? You go back down in the mikvah. 
back down in the baptism tank. And you get baptized again, and you come back up. And so there were any number of ritual washings that these people, reasons why these people engaged in ritual washings, lots of them. You get psoriasis, you wake up in the morning, you got a flaky head, tank. <laughs> That's where you go. You go to the mikvah. Okay? So all these ritual washings were done, listen, by total immersion. If you didn't immerse yourself as a Jew in your mikvah tank from head to toe, hair and everything, you were rich, still ritually impure. Now, here's the application of that. We may be tempted to think that we can just sort of adopt any sort of baptism we want. But the truth of the matter is, is that we get this from the Jews. And the Jews practiced immersion. So let me apply that. I know that some of you in here, I know there is a good chance that some of you were sprinkled when you're an infant. And I want to say, first of all, that I affirm your parents' devotion to God. I want to affirm their desire to consecrate your life to him at such an early age. We do it with baby, uh, baby dedications. That's kind of the way we do it. But I also want to tell you that culturally speaking, historically speaking, your sprinkling didn't take. It does, it, it's no good in terms of uh, uh, an act of your own volition, your own will to follow Christ. Because in the first century, it was an act of total immersion, and it was practiced among adults. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, it is an act of repentance. Okay, now we're going to the second tank over here. This is the mikvah oat. What is the mikvah oat? This is the proselyte tank. This is the repentance tank. When uh, uh, the apostle Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he tells all of these visiting Jews who are there for the feast in Jerusalem, he tells them all, repent and be baptized and believe in Jesus, right? He tells them all that. Repentance. He was telling them, go to this tank, not that one. Not the daily ritual washings. Go to the proselyte tank. Go to the conversion tank. When John, the last prophet of the Old Testament, you know him better as John the baptizer, right? John the Baptist comes on the scene. He says to all these Jews, he's standing out in a river, which is perfectly okay uh, for the rabbis because any baptism water source had to be fed by a natural source or a natural spring. So he's fine out in the river baptizing people, but the two things that were most shocking to that culture is that he is presiding over the ceremony because people baptize themselves every day. So he is telling them, I will baptize you in preparation for the coming Messiah's kingdom, and it's soon. So this is kind of a shock to them, but what's more shocking to them is that John the baptizer says this, repent, go in this one. Now, the reason why that was shocking is because no Jew in that culture felt that they needed to repent. They didn't need to go, they didn't practice proselyte baptism. That was for us. That was for the goyim, the Gentiles. That was for you and I who are out there practicing these horrible, awful pagan religions. And, and some of them came to the Jews and said, we're tired of these stupid pagan stuff. We want to identify with the Jews. What must we do to be saved for God's eternal kingdom? And the Jew would say, that tank, proselyte baptism. Repent and become kosher. Circumcise your children. Meet on the Sabbath in the synagogue and study Torah. Study the Old Testament, right? And so for John and Jesus and Peter to be telling the Jews, these good Torah observant Jews, you need to go in this one, that was kind of a shock to them. What? We're, we're okay with God. We have an Abrahamic pedigree. 
We are the ones who are Torah observant. We're the ones who attend Sabbath. Our kids are circumcised. But John is saying there is a repentance baptism that you don't know yet because you have to be baptized into the Messiah. Peter comes along and says, actually, you have to be baptized in Yeshua, the Messiah. Jesus is the one. He has been confirmed by resurrection. And many people were cut to the heart. And they practiced baptism. So what's the application here? The application is this, is that I suspect there may be some people in here. In fact, I talk to you once in a while. I suspect that there may be some people in here who think that they're okay because of their fine religious pedigree. Well, you were born a Catholic, weren't you? Born a Baptist? Always a Baptist, right? You were born, yes, yeah, somebody say amen. Born a Lutheran? That's not good enough. Peter and John and Jesus would say to you, repent and be baptized. You can't make it into God's eternal kingdom by simply relying on your church attendance or relying on your religious behavior. If you are trusting in anything else other than Jesus as the son of God who saves you from your sin, you are lost. Your religion can't save you any more than the religion of these good Torah observant Jews could save them. It can't. And so I want to challenge you today. Today, you have an opportunity to follow Jesus in baptism. Next, number three, it's an act of symbolism. I have a friend who is a part of a particular denomination who would debate me on this, but he's wrong. <laughs> the problem with him is he doesn't know how wrong he is. Haha, <laughs> just joking. All right. Paul says in Romans 6, For when you were baptized, you were buried buried with Christ in his death, and when you come up in baptism, you are raised to his life. You participate in his death when you go down. That's what it symbolizes. And you participate in the life-giving spirit. The spirit is now coursing through your spiritual veins, right? He is the one that animates you and energizes you to a life of obedience and following Jesus, right? So, so this act of baptism, Paul is teaching, is a symbol. It symbolizes your death to the old and your life to the new. And this is why Paul says in Romans 6, we who are saved by grace, shall we go on sinning? Paul says, no, absolutely not. By no means should we go on sinning. We have died to that, and now we are alive to Christ, just as Christ is alive to God through resurrection, Right? So it's a heart change. It symbolizes that we were going that way and now we're going this way. Fourthly, it is an act of obedience. Matthew 28, Jesus told his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, here's what we learned. This is the last lesson in the course, right? Uh, Matthew was a catechetical manual. It was a discipleship manual for his own people in Syria. And so when we get to the last session, here's what we learned. We learned that Jesus wants to turn us loose Jesus wants to equip us, authorize us, empower us to go out into the world and make new disciples, right? So that is what Jesus has called us to do. And so this act of baptism is an act of obedience. Listen to the Great Commission. Here it is. Therefore, go into all nations, making disciples of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I've commanded. So this passage really has a definite order to it. It's what's known as the Great Commission. And the order is this. First, go. First, get out of the church. 
get out of the meeting hall. Get out of the public space or get out of your house church or get out of your small group. Go out there and invite your friends and your family and your coworkers to faith. Call them and invite them to faith. And once we do that, we, once they choose to follow, we're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And that is the first act of obedience in a life of obedience. So I want to show you that baptism was the first thing you did as, as a disciple, as a believer. Not the last thing you do. Not something you do two years after you get saved. Now, some of you, I know you're believers. I know you're disciples. I know you love Jesus. But you're still sitting on your hands. You're still wondering if baptism is right for you. Well, I'm here to tell you it is. Because it is the very first way that you and I initiate our discipleship journey. That's the way we do it. It's through this first act of baptism. So I want to challenge some of you. I know you're a believer. I know you love Jesus. I know you're here because you've decided to follow Christ in faith. Great. Now follow him. Follow him in being baptized. So, this morning, in summary, let's put that definition back up now that we've unpacked it a little bit. Immersion is what? It is an, it is, uh, an immersion in water is an act of repentance, which symbolizes our participation with Jesus' death to the old and resurrection to the new. And it is the first act of obedience as we seek to follow all that Jesus has commanded and taught. And so I want to encourage you, if that's you today, I want to invite you to be baptized. Now, some of these guys are prepared. They've thought it through. They're ready to roll. They got their clothes and their bags. Look, they're all sitting there ready to go. But some of you weren't prepared today. So here's what I want you to do. If you decided today that you want to follow Jesus in baptism, maybe you fit one of those four categories I talked about today, then here's what you need to do. As we baptize, as we get going here in worship, uh, you, you need to go out this back door right here. There is a table with clothes on it. Okay, what you need to do is get a set of clothes, a towel, go out to the bathroom and change into those. Get baptized in those clothes. And then you have your clothes that you wore today uh, to wear home, to change into and, and wear home. And there's going to be somebody back there to just sort of take your name and your email address because we want to follow up with you. We have a, a, a discipleship packet we want to give to you and send to you uh, so that uh, you know what to do now with your new life in Christ. And so uh, we want to do that. Why don't we go ahead and uh, start the service? How's that sound?